the word of the Lord. From 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 to 28. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, and by man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom of God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all and all. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Our text is the epistle lesson that I just finished reading for you and serves as our theme for the last Sunday of the church year. First of all, Thanksgiving is already upon us. Christmas is right around the corner. Then New Year's can be celebrated and let this God-forsaken year come to an end. And that's what's really interesting about this year of 2020. For the first time in my memory, we are celebrating the end of something rather than the beginning. It seems to me in the past, and at least in my lifetime, the beginning of things seems to get much more consideration than the end of things. Or at least the lead up to the actual inception of, and then the endless debates about when something actually started has the most attention in the halls of our common discourse. For example, we're celebrating the last Sunday of the church year today, and next week begins the new church year. No doubt the Jews have a different understanding, as I am sure the Muslims as well. I can only imagine what the Buddhist Hindus and other native religions of the Americas may consider the beginning of the year. We are not even in sync with our own physical calendar in the United States. So we, as people of the world and from our religious perspectives, debate even the basics of when the year starts. What comes first? What comes last? Now I know you're thinking, who cares? Well, you have definitely matured, haven't you? But I can assure you, any preschool through second grade age student would argue who is first and who is last in line is of tantamount importance that will result in tears shed and temper tantrums acted out. Everything is not in its proper order. And I bet... If the line started increasing at Aldi's again, and you were forced to stand in the rain, you would definitely recognize the value of first 
and last. Just imagine, there's another hurricane and another rush on the gas stations and sandbags at the fire station. You would certainly not want to be last and have to weather the storm without the necessary supplies you missed. So when the conditions are right, I think we can all agree we do care who is first and who is last. So as I looked at our letter to the church in Corinth, I was immediately struck by the first fruits of Christ who's been raised from the dead. And I was immediately confused. How is it that Christ is the first from those who have died that was raised from the dead? I mean, almost a thousand years before Jesus came in the flesh, Elijah raised the son of the widow of Zarephath from the dead. I don't know about you, but if we're going to look at the standard timeline, this would at least come before Christ's resurrection. And that's not all. We have several examples of people rising from the dead before Jesus. Jesus raised a little girl from the dead. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, and Jesus raised the son of the widow of Nain from the dead. So if you're keeping track, and I promise you, I did, Jesus comes in fifth place at best for resurrections from the dead. So how has he been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep? Well, today, on this last Sunday of the church year, it's not as much about who did it first, but about whom did it best. I had the pleasure of having both my sons home from college this past week, and I got to tell you, there is just no greater joy than sharing time with your sons than when they are grown men. My father was there with us well, and we got to go golfing, hang out together, and enjoy our favorite family meals all crowded around the dining table together again. But that doesn't mean it's all peaches and cream. These are grown men who have opinions of their own, and they don't always agree with the old man anymore. We've all been there, and truth be told, I didn't mind it a bit. But one particular disagreement was, believe it or not, over Gatorade. Some of you know that one of my sons, Micah, went to Nebraska for college, while my youngest son, Matthew, went to Florida in Gainesville. Well, the disagreement came from Matthew when he objected to my story that Gatorade was actually Husker-Aid first, having been experimented with in Nebraska in 1964 to help the football players hydrate in the humid bowl games with salt pills mixed into Kool-Aid. Nebraska is said to have shared the formula, Husker Aid, with a team doctor from Florida who went on to patent the now famous formula Gatorade. And my most recent research has uncovered that even Florida State was experimenting before that with a combination of lime drink, sugar, and salt called Seminole Firewater, two years before Huskerade and three years before Gatorade. If my sons are listening, you can check these facts at hashtag facts.wordpress.com forward slash 2015 forward slash 
forward slash 31 forward slash Gatorade dash legend dash or dash myth forward slash. Well, you could just imagine the back and forth we had with loyal Huskers on one side and Gators on the other. But the end of the discussion concluded with, it really didn't matter who came up with it first. History shows us what matters is who did it best. That's the reality. As they say, build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to your door. It's not who invented fire that matters. It's the one who constructed a stove to contain it that cooks our food and heats our homes. It's not the inventor of the wheel. It's the one who attached it to a cart and transported the necessities of life over large swatches of land to people who never had them before. And it's not the men who captured flight for the first time. It is the captains of industry that moved thousands through the air, traveling in a matter of hours and days, that which previously took weeks and months. Whoever takes a good idea and makes it great will have the legacy. In the case of our Savior, Jesus, he may not have been the first to rise from the bed, but he was indeed the first fruits for all the dead who would rise in him as well. John chapter 23, excuse me, John chapter 12 foretold this truth that explains Jesus' death for us today. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servants be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Some years ago, I got into a heated debate with a fellow pastor about the rights of an individual. This debate happened to center around the Second Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. He suggested that no pastor should ever exercise his Second Amendment right for any reason. So I asked him, what if you needed to defend your family from those with evil intent? He replied, well, I would sacrifice myself. I would die if I had to. My response was, your sacrifice to evil aggressors means nothing. All you have done is left your children without a father, your wife without a husband, and your church without a pastor. And those of evil intent, unchecked. Never forget, brother, only Jesus' death means something for everyone, not yours. When I served as a chaplain in the army, we were not allowed any weapons on our person, only a pocket knife and only one with a blade under three inches. Having served previously, I was concerned how I should defend myself should I come under fire. They indicated that the army takes great pains to ensure the chaplains never come under fire and never have to give their lives for their country. Because a dead chaplain cannot minister to soldiers coming off the battlefield. A dead chaplain cannot perform memorial services for those who are dead. And a dead chaplain cannot minister to the families who lost their loved ones when they come home. 
A chaplain's death accomplishes nothing. But Jesus and his death means more than anyone's death ever could. It is the death that atones for the sins of the world. It is the blood that washes away our wickedness. And it was the death that, except he was laid in the ground, could not produce the Christian friends you are sitting next to right now. As Luther says, St. Paul is speaking about only those who are Christians. For although the non-Christian must all arise, this will not be to their comfort and joy, since they will arise for judgment and not for life. I will say nothing of that great, vulgar throng which seeks its pleasure and consolation only here, which despises God's word and cares not a mite for God in his kingdom, it is not surprising that such people are annoyed to hear of the blessed resurrection. For us, however, it is pure joy, because we hear that our greatest treasure over which we rejoice is already in heaven above, and that only through the most insignificant part remains behind, and that he will awaken this too and draw it after him as easily as a person awakens from sleep. So, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus was first, really first of all, for all time, for all who knew what he did for them and believed it unto eternal life. Amen. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.